This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Earthwise, environment and peace with justice interviews on Plains FM 96.9. Welcome to Earthwise. I'm Lois Griffiths. I'm so pleased today to be talking once again with peace activist Kathy Kelly. Kathy is president of World Beyond War Board and a coordinator of the Ban Killer Drones campaign. And over the years, we've interviewed Kathy several times, always witnessing the cruelty of warfare, the horrible suffering, much of which she's witnessed herself, including in Iraq with voices in the wilderness and in Afghanistan with voices for creative nonviolence. And now we've learning about a new NGO that Kathy has helped organize called Merchants of Death War Crimes Tribunal. Welcome to Earthwise, Kathy Kelly. Well, thank you, Lois. Thank you very much for this invitation. Well, Kathy, what what does the Merchants of War Deaths Crimes Tribunal hope to achieve? Well, the Merchants of Death War Crimes Tribunal wants to hold accountable major weapon manufacturers, Mm. four of them in particular, that are constantly developing, selling, storing, and enabling others to use weapons that have in the past been used to kill civilians, displace, maim, and uh, bereave many, many people in other countries. And it's our belief that these weapon manufacturers have known in advance how their products will be used. And they've been told by human rights organizations and through public citizens' demonstrations uh, again and again that these weapons are being used in ways that are uh, constituting possibly alleged war crimes, crimes against humanity. And then as we think about the ways that they, through very, very sophisticated and well-funded lobbying efforts, influence elected members of Congress within the United States, and surely, in fact, do this in other countries as well, uh, we believe that it's rightful to hold them accountable uh, for how they have used their money and their funds to better situate themselves as people who can increase their their profits. So we've been working on having a tribunal that will begin in November of 2023. And we want the major witnesses, the major evidence to come from people who either were themselves victims of the attacks that we will be documenting or perhaps they were journalists or human rights workers or others who can give testimony in that regard. And then we also are um, looking to hear from weapons analysts, military analysts, and get their testimony. And the four companies that we'll be focused on are Boeing, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, 
And then a company that only makes weaponized drones. It's called General mm. Atomics. And yeah. even today, as a uh, a way to help monthly uh, reports develop about this campaign, uh, activists from our group delivered to the uh, Raytheon Corporation a citation for contempt because in November we had issued them a subpoena. Now, this is a People's Tribunal subpoena, but we were calling on them to give us documents about their manufacture of various weapons that have been used in wars against people in Iraq and Afghanistan and Gaza, in Somalia, in Lebanon. And um, they didn't uh, respond to that, so there was a citation of contempt delivered today, and then the group went over to the Pentagon to subpoena uh, our U.S. Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, who previously was on the board of directors for Raytheon. Well, Kathy, you're onto something big. I've been with groups sort of protesting. We're going back to Agent Orange in Monsanto and Vietnam War and the anti-cluster bombs, anti-this weapon and that weapon, but we really need to be anti the whole business, particularly looking at where the money comes from. You're, you, you're talking about some very wealthy, very powerful corporations my first reaction, frankly, when I read your press release was to think, oh, no, 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 there's no way that a people's organized tribunal could challenge such powerful forces. However, when I read about the other organizers and the names of some of the tribunal supporters, including international lawyers like Richard Falk, including Marjorie Cohn and Anne Wright, I then realized that maybe this time the powerful war profiteers can be challenged. Would you please tell us about the other two organizers, Nick Mottern and Brad Wolf? Well, thank you. Um, Nick Mottern has uh, coordinated the Ban Killer Drones campaign, and I'm part of that campaign as well. And we had thought about having a tribunal which would focus on weaponized drones because, you know, increasingly those kinds of weapons are proliferating all around the world. And we thought it would be important to try to uh, raise the concerns about the usage of weaponized drones to target and kill civilians. But then as we began to look at the companies involved, we thought, well, why not expand this effort to consider the weaponized uh, attacks against people in many countries and, and look at the big four, including General Atomics. And so Nick was uh, has really been uh, the person whose uh, intellectual energies, I think, have guided this campaign. And uh, he and Brad Wolf and a young Iraqi woman whom I met when she was eight years old in Baghdad and who has recently graduated from law school, Salih Ghazali, uh, we four began to formulate a way forward. Now, the other person, uh, Brad Wolf, is a former prosecutor, and he worked for years prosecuting cases for the United States government. Uh, and then he resigned from that work, and he became uh, an academic, and soon he became the dean of the college that he was working with. But he's now since resigned again, and uh, he's 
he's got plenty of energy. He uh, is uh, probably not quite of the usual retirement age. And he has been a full-time peace activist working with Peace Action in his own city and um, writing a very compelling book about activist Phil Berrigan's uh, correspondence and speeches given over the course of his lifetime and uh, submitting excellent essays to various um, peace-oriented websites. So it's been a joy to work with Brad Wolf as well. He's in uh, the state of Pennsylvania and Nick is in Massachusetts and um, I'm outside of Chicago, but we, through Zoom, can work quite effectively. And, and we've actually asked Sally to become a tribunal member, when it, and then she'll she'll be on that tribunal along with Anne Wright and Marjorie Kung. And then uh, we also are assisted by a, a brilliant lawyer, Bill Quigley, who uh, is probably one of the most um, relied upon lawyers whenever activists that take actions of civil disobedience to protest various wars and weapon systems. So it's it's been a, a, a real gift to work with the people that have been pursuing this project. And it, we also are happy if it can become international. So we would certainly welcome people in New Zealand who'd like to help us with research to to become involved and certainly to um, plan on having, uh, we're, we're saying, watch parties, because all of this will take place online uh, beginning in November, November 10th. Um, uh, and, and, and so we would certainly welcome people to join in from other parts of the world. Well, we've, we've um, actually had a letter in the paper today mentioning how it's 20 years. It's a huge demonstration against the, the war in Iraq. And yet there's no demonstrations now. It's sort of hard to to get people's focused do you know what i mean well i think about that a lot you know um i don't know if people have ever reckoned with how close the world came to stopping a war before it started with regard to that war in iraq it's really important to think about that because the International Atomic Energy Association was pretty close to issuing its final report, and they had not found weapons of mass destruction. And so the Bush administration was in a bit of a panic to get that war moving before the IAEA report might come out, and Tony Blair in the UK even more so, because he realized that if that report said there aren't weapons of mass destruction, Tony Blair would have a very hard time uh, getting his country on board as an ally of the United States. And so the demonstrations were very, very important. It would have been probably a good time to also be leaning heavily on uh, elected representatives uh, to respond to that matter of whether or not they're um, actually were weapons of mass destruction. And even Colin Powell, who made the address to the United Nations, which, you know, it turned out to be fraudulent. Every instance he claimed to be evidence of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq later were debunked. Uh, it was not an accurate statement that he made to the UN at all. And apparently he was himself 
uh, wary of this statement. So, if, you know, maybe in the United States, we should have tried to lean a lot harder on Colin Powell. Uh, not to go before the United Nations and compromise his reputation in order to uphold the Bush administration. So I, I think we will begin to see some demonstrations against the United States um, pouring of weapons into Ukraine. There's one scheduled for this Saturday in Washington, D.C., and uh, another one the following month in March. So I think we will start to see it, but, if, you know, we... we we, of course, need to see uh, demonstrations worldwide. I, I think in Germany, people are beginning to act, and also in the UK. But it's a very, very dangerous time. Uh, yes, the um, doomsday clock is coming quite close to, to the end, isn't it? Well, and Mary Robinson, the former president of Ireland and um, the uh, person who is the chair of what they call the Bulletin of Atomic Scientist Elders, um, who was also the um, United Nations Human Rights uh, Representative, she said when she unveiled that clock that the science is all there, that, that we aren't going to survive if we don't start to collaborate with regard to ecological collapse, if we don't deal with um, the nuclear weapon issue uh, and also stop, do whatever we can to stop the war from raging in Ukraine. And she said the problem is that leaders of our countries are not in a crisis mindset. But I actually think uh, the, the grassroots people have to be in a crisis mindset also. We, you know, we have to all hold ourselves accountable for what is transpiring in terms of rising competitions between various nation states to want to be the world's major hegemon. You know, we need exactly the opposite of that. We need nation states saying we want to learn how to collaborate in terms of uh, ridding ourselves of nuclear weapons, coping with possible new pandemics, and uh of course, dealing with the ecological catastrophes, and then the refugees that will, no, undoubtedly be, be be coming in even higher numbers, and should never be viewed as people with a stigma, because they've been displaced by war and climate catastrophe. You're listening to Earthwise, broadcasting in Christchurch on Plains FM ninety six point nine in Hamilton on Free FM, and in Waikanae on Coast Access Radio. Today's guest is peace activist Kathy Kelly. We're discussing the emergence of death war crimes tribunal. Well, Kathy, Earthwise is always pre-recorded. I'm talking to you now on the 15th of February in New Zealand, and it'll go to air on the 20th here. But for you, it's now 14th of February, Valentine's Day in the U.S., and there's something of great significance happening today in the U.S., isn't it? Why today? Why the why Valentine's Day? Well, we thought a good theme for a, an action today would be melt your cold, cold heart. And that's why a group of people have gone to the Raytheon facility in Washington, D.C., and then over to the Pentagon uh, to say that we want... Uh, Raytheon and also Lockheed Martin and Boeing and General Atomics to 
turn away from the practices that they've been pursuing. And so that's why we used this theme of melt your cold, cold heart. Ian, I'm interested, Raytheon's headquarters are in Arlington, Virginia. I know that area. I grew up in Alexandria. And of course, that's where the Pentagon oh. is. How convenient. Raytheon headquarters and the Pentagon, both in Arlington. Yep. Well, and it's symbolic that at the uh, front end of Raytheon headquarters, there's a revolving door. And what we're so aware of is the revolving door between people who work for these major weapon manufacturers and then retire from that work and go to work for the United States government and then sometimes retire again and go back to the manufacturing groups. But that revolving door is something that is uh, more and more likely to continue the capacity of groups like Raytheon and Lockheed Martin and Boeing and General Atomics to persuade elected representatives through their very highly paid lobbyists to continue to authorize the production of these various weapons. And, and sometimes, even though there's clear evidence that the weapons are flawed, dangerously flawed, they still continue to say, well, no, we have to produce these because there are people then that have jobs working in these weapon industries, and then those people will vote for the elected representatives that keep bringing those jobs back into their areas. And it's so wrongheaded because the jobs that we really need are those that would help us to retrofit our housing stock and make it more compatible with the demands to uh, stop the pollution of our society and our world. We certainly need ways to bolster our capacity to use solar and wind energy. We need ways to um, develop internationally uh, potential to reduce the carbon emissions. And these companies, you know, they've got scientists, they've got engineers, they've got problem-solving ingenuity. They could make a huge difference and retool themselves to defend us against what we really face, the, the major problems we face in terms of ecological collapse and uh, certainly also pandemics and nuclear weapon proliferation. So now, Kathy, while we're talking, the emphasis is on Raytheon. Now, that interests me very much because our New Zealand Superfund invests in Raytheon. And this is an issue I've been trying to bring up and try to raise awareness of it. It's very hard to <laughs> not get anywhere with it. We, New Zealand claims to be, well, nuclear-free and, you know, peace-loving nation. But if we're, doesn't this make us war profiteers, really? Well, that's very interesting. I wasn't aware of the New Zealand Superfund, um, but we'd be very interested to learn more about that. And that's the kind of thing that we can begin to disclose to people so that there, there's a more widespread understanding of the uh, kind of like the tentacles of outreach that these companies have. Uh, you know, uh, Raytheon has a whole campus in uh, Saudi Arabia. And Lockheed Martin also does a great deal with Saudi Arabia. And, you know, it's, it's our contention that Saudi Arabia is uh, engaged in crimes against humanity in, in the attacks that it has made against 
people in Yemen, and there are multiple instances of people having been killed, and also Yemenis that were killed directly by United States attacks using uh, the Pavoy missiles. And, you know, when you think about Israel's attacks against Gaza, repeatedly they have attacked civilian residences, hospitals, schools, using the weapons that were sold to Israel by Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, uh, and Boeing as well. So uh, we, we'd be very interested to know about any contributions to Raytheon, for instance. And there's, there's quite a lot of um, resistance to Raytheon in Boston, in the Massachusetts area. They uh, hold weekly demonstrations. Uh, there are people in the Chicago area who have begun to demonstrate against a Raytheon office. And so, like, even today, there are companion demonstrations going on in four different United States cities with this Melcher Cold Cold Heart theme. Um, and, and so, you know, the more we can help people know that, for instance, Boeing is not just a manufacturer of airplanes, that are passenger jets, that there is the Boeing defense industries, and, and the more people know what they can expect from Raytheon and from Lockheed Martin. You know, it's interesting that uh, the Raytheon people, and uh, particularly uh, Lockheed Martin, they, they often brag about how they contribute to stem cell education for youngsters so that they can study science and math and how they have uh, diversified their workplace to be more inclusive of people from different ethnicities and races. And of course, they are always saying that they are, are they're involved in helping defend the United States. But we need to dismantle those notions, those myths, really, and help people understand that what they're really doing is creating products that maim and slaughter and destroy and shed blood all over the world. Of course, you've witnessed some of the the effects of war, haven't you? You've been many times to Iraq and many times to Afghanistan. Now, we're talking about something that's happening today, but we're preparing for something big in November. So there's going to be a lot of work behind the scenes, isn't there? Gathering evidence, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, there are really hundreds of hours of research that need to be engaged in. We're so fortunate that um, several students have joined us in helping with the research. Uh, I mean, it's to the point where we need to sort of have a spreadsheet to coordinate people's work, but we're, we're very grateful for that. But we are definitely going to need to um, not only cull the testimony from uh, people who either were on the ground or survivors or human rights groups or journalists, but then we're also going to have to make sure that we can make the connection between the kinds of weapons that were used and the companies specifically. And, um, you know, we, we want to also do our best to determine, did that company know how that this weapon would be used when they sold it? Because I think, you know, the companies will say, look, we just, you know, make these weapons and fulfill the contracts that are, are made with us. But I think that's a bit of a dodge, almost like, you know, an ostrich with the head in the sand. How could they not know how these weapons are being used? But I'm sure that I myself have been in demonstrations that have made that clear outside of their, their corporate headquarter offices. 
So we're, we're on to something big that we must follow here. And I loved your expression for Valentine's Day, melt your cold, cold heart. If we could get that message across that war profiteering is so, it's so evil, really. Now, something's going to happen in, tri- in November, Tribunal. Will the public be made aware of it? Well, we'll certainly do our best. We um, plan to have a monthly action like the one today every month to help um, communicate more broadly about this tribunal. We have a website. It's uh, merchantsofdeath.org. We um, are certainly going to reach out to university universities and students and encourage them to sort of form watch parties to uh, follow this online d- and event, which might now be spread out over su- successive Sundays, for instance. We don't think we can get it all into three days. And then um, we are having various webinars from time to time. And uh, that I think that's been quite helpful. The Massachusetts um, Area Peace Action teamed up with a group called uh, War Industry Resistance Network and, and hosted a webinar. And, uh, well, there were about 450 people that viewed it um, while it was taking place, but we can make copies of things like that available to people as well. Yes. Well, Kathy, I'm afraid our, our, our recording time is up. This is such a big story. It's one that we in New Zealand must take part in and follow. I think it's so important to um, follow the money trails. So uh, thank you so much for talking to us. We, we're going to follow this story, and we're going to do our thank part you. in New Zealand. We do have a peace movement here, and we have to reactivate it. Thank you so much, Kathy Kelly. Thank you, Lois. Well, thank you, Kathy. It's my pleasure. So from us, we give our love to you, Kathy, and your efforts, and to our listeners from Earthwise. Goodbye. <laughs>